Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. You know, it's interesting. What I pulled up is basically scriptures. Um, but um, the subject, I guess, if it, if it had a name, would be Assurance of Salvation. And it's interesting because um, there seems to be two divisions in this among Christians. There's there's Christians that um, are so certain of their salvation and so um, lenient uh, on what the Word says to do or not do that they just uh, don't worry about anything they do. And um, then... Um, there are other Christians that it is a frightful thing to them. They feel that um, they aren't living exactly as God would want them to live, and it is a very frightful thing to them. And um, there, there is a balance, there is a truth, and there is a way for us to have assurance of salvation and not to be, not to let the devil harass us in that way. Because every day, you know, if you're someone who's more of a um, thoughtful kind of person, Christian, and you tend to reflect upon you, what you do and, and why you've done it and your motives and reflect upon the day, then you might be someone who questions, my goodness, God, am I, am I going to just barely squeak in to heaven? You know, am I going to barely squeak in? That's more me, you know. I'm more the reflective, like, I need to look this up. And sometimes I'll read something, like I sent uh, Chris on the Internet and um, and just be like, wow, you know, this is quite convicting. And yet, is it convicting or is it accusation? And I'm going to explain that in a minute. But uh, then there's Lacey, who never gives it a thought. You know, and I don't know, it's just different kinds of people, but he, of course, has things he does wrong, but he just doesn't look back. I mean, he asks God's forgiveness, but he's so certain of his salvation. And I want us to first look at just the the article that that I read that um, I feel that the person or persons who wrote it had every good intention and that there is truth. In it, I'm not going to read the whole article, but I'm going to read you what it says concerning how we would know that we are certainly saved. Um, it says, obviously, that we would be regenerated. We would be different. And, but it says that we would have, I, I think it was four things that um, would be apparent in our life. First, we would not habitually commit sin. That's the first thing. And secondly, we would seek to live a holy life by obeying God's word. This is all what we would do. If, if to, This is to um, assure our salvation. We would not habitually commit sin. We would seek to live a holy life. We would love others regardless of who they are or what they have done. And our affections will not be upon the things of the world. And there's quite a few scriptures that they give and different quotes. And 
I looked at that and I was very bothered by that. And I know I'm going to stir up some controversy here, but we are saved by one thing, the, the blood and the death and the crucifixion in Jesus Christ. One thing. And these things may be or are um, indications of someone who wants to live a holy life, a sanctified life, a life set apart. But they aren't indications, if you don't have them, that you aren't saved. And that's so important because there are a lot of books floating around right now that um, are very good books, and they have a lot of um, incentive and enthusiasm, and but they make us question our salvation if we aren't the person that is going over to India. They make us question our salvation if we aren't the person that sold our house and gave all of the money to the orphan ministries. They make us question our salvation if we do have a habitual sin. Good grief. Some of the disciples had a habitual sin. I mean, even Peter, who I love Peter, and that's why we're going to look in Peter and get some really awesome assurance. Um, I mean, Peter just kind of flew off. He, he had a habitual sin of just kind of talking before he thought. And he, had an, he, he obviously lied. And he had just had a, he had a habitual sin of just doing his own deal. And, but, I mean, his heart was before God. You may have a habitual sin that is not something that you're proud of. You may struggle with something. You may say, my habitual sin is that I am an alcoholic. i got to stay away from this stuff. If you read this and it says Christians will not have any habitual sin... You might think, oh my goodness, I'm not a Christian. But that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that basically, if we interpret it correctly, and I wish that I could just read the whole Bible to get the full picture because that's what you have to do. If you, if you just read one little section of the Bible or even one um, chapter of the Bible then you're going to get skewed in one area or another. You have to take it as a whole, take it as an absolute whole. And that's why it's so important for us to study it, because if we don't study it, we can be led astray. We can be led astray by our own thoughts. We can be led astray by false teachers. We can be led astray by people who are teachers that have um, wrong uh right motives, wrong teachings, we can be led astray unless we really know what the Word says. And the Word says that, that it is by grace alone, through Christ Jesus, that we are saved. Now, our, in that grace and in that appreciation and in that salvation, and if we do ask God to or Jesus, to be the Lord of our lives. There is a renewal that takes place. The Holy Spirit comes into us. And we will not be able to habitually sin and enjoy it. 
Do you see what I'm saying? We will not be able to have our affections upon this world and enjoy it. You know? I was driving over here and um, at quite a fast rate. And it's just been a fast and furious weekend. And um, just a fast and furious weekend. Anyway, I uh, picked up Storm after. Uh, I, I was staying at church. I was at church till 8. So we had practice. And then I sang at 11. And then I taught the 11th graders. And then I came home with Storm and ate for 30 minutes. And then drove him out to San Antonio Christian School too. Um, a birthday party that he asked me not to come into because that was not cool. So I ended up falling asleep in my car for an hour and a half and then picked him up for the birthday party. And I think that's probably why my back got cramped. But anyway, I was driving over here and I was just thinking about the world and what the world has to offer. And I looked down and there was this cup of candy with melted, unopened Laffy Taffy. And I thought, that is exactly what it is. You know, all the shiny, bright things of the world that we can want and think we want. It's like Laffy Taffy. It's its like when you finally get it, you open it, it's going to be so good. And it's just, yeah, it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't satisfy. And so that's why our affection shouldn't be on the things of this world because it's not going to bring us the peace that passes all understanding. And it's not going to bring us sanctification, which is different than salvation. And that's what these teachers are getting mixed up. And I am up in arms about it because it is worrying people. There is a difference between salvation and sanctification. There is a genuine salvation that it's All, all, all by what Jesus did on the cross. And when we ask him to come into our heart and be our savior of our sins, knowing we have sins, and the the Lord of our lives, that is salvation. Now, only we and God know if that has truly occurred. There are symptoms of that being truly occurring, in other words, some of the things you used to enjoy and um, not even be convicted of doing, all of a sudden you can't do anymore because you realize, hey, I've got God in me and I'm supposed to show God to other people and I don't want to do that. I don't want to gossip anymore. I, I really don't want to um, say bad things about someone. I really don't want to have too many drinks. I don't want to have too much to eat. I don't want to do those things. But it doesn't mean that you don't slip up and do those things. It just means that as you do them, the Holy Spirit in you won't let you enjoy them like the world would. And that's assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation is is having that renewal in Jesus Christ where you hear the word and say, yes. You hear Romans 12 too, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the will of God. That which good is, is good and acceptable and perfect. And the Holy Spirit in your spirit says, yes. And then you 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 know that you're different you know that you're different you have eternity in you but the assurance of your salvation will come more and more as you read the word 
And the Holy Spirit interprets the word for you and not all these different books out there. Because I'm not saying anyone has wrong intentions. I know that as a teacher, I'm held to a greater accountability. But I also know that there is a distinct difference between salvation, which you can be a baby Christian all your life, Meaning that you have salvation and you haven't grown much, but you have what you have Jesus and he has become your Lord and Savior. And it's a genuine acceptance. It was a genuine act. And from there you chose not to be sanctified. And I believe with all of my heart, it is by grace we are saved and not by works. So there are baby Christians that literally the Bible just about says that they go into heaven by the skin of their teeth. And I can read those scriptures later. You don't want to be one of those because that person actually doesn't really enjoy life. I mean, here's the deal. If you're going to be a sinner, just be a sinner all the way, you know, because then you'll really enjoy this life and you won't get convicted by the Holy Spirit and, and, but if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, well, let me back up. You don't want to be a sinner all the way because you will not spend eternity with, with Jesus Christ. You'll sin, spend eternity with God. And what I mean by sinner all the way is we're all sinners. The only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that Christ, you have said, Christ, please pay for my sin. And he did. It's the only difference. We, we don't have anything up on anybody else. We're not better than anybody else. We simply have the joy, the love, the peace, the passes, all understanding. We have the Holy Spirit. And as we grow in Christ, and, has, it, and, and truly once you have received that insight and that light, then there is a yearning, a yearning in you to want to know more want to know more of his peace, want to know more of God, want to know more. And so when you sin and you keep on sinning, you're going to be a miserable Christian. So you can be a happy sinner or you can be a miserable Christian. And so what we want to do as Christians is be sanctified, be set apart, be called holy, be called out, be different, be called out from the world, live differently than the world, and desire to live differently from the world. And that is what would stir up in you through the Holy Spirit, through your heart, and that is the way that you know that you're regenerated, that you have the Holy Spirit, is that you want Jesus. You want him. You want to live Jesus. You want to be more like Jesus. You know that what he says is true. I'm not saying that you want to get up at 2 a.m. and read the Bible. Some books may tell you that. I'm not saying that you want to memorize the entire New Testament. Some books may tell you that. The Bible doesn't tell you that. The Bible tells us that we're all individuals created by God. Look at the disciples and all their different personalities. 
And yet they had the same desire to follow Jesus. And they had different lives and different ways of doing it, but they wanted to follow Jesus all the way. You're all in or you're all out. And that is Christianity, that you know your sins are covered because of the sacrifice of Jesus and because of his promise and God saying, this is my son that I give because I desire that none should perish and every single person should have everlasting life. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And you know that you're saved by Jesus and him only. Good works are only a reflection of what is in your heart. Let's get it straight. Because again, we've got miserable Christians that are questioning their salvation all the time. Because they're comparing themselves to what books say they should be doing or should be thinking. Or they have a a sin that maybe it's an eating disorder or maybe it's something that they struggle with. Maybe it's shopping too much. Maybe it's judging other people. And then Satan gets on their shoulder and says, because of this habitual sin, you are not saved. You just are fooling yourself. We know we are saved. By the cross and the cross only. That's it. Nothing else. Don't add anything to it. Because if you add anything to it, you might as well add the whole law. And if you've tried to follow the whole law, it is miserable. Because you're going to sin somewhere, someplace. We are saved by grace. What we want to do is learn more about Jesus because our life is hidden in him. What we want to do as Christians and as believers and as those saved from our own sins, knowing that we're going to spend eternity with God because we chose God here on this earth, what we want to do is learn more about the Bible because then we learn more about our true selves. And then we change But we aren't exhibiting Christian things because um, we want to impress others. We don't need to look at a list and say, do I exhibit these things and therefore I'm a Christian? It's the cross and the cross only. Can't say that enough. I can't say it enough. The Holy Spirit won't let me say it enough. You are not saved by your good works. You are not saved by your good life. You are not saved by your good heart. You are saved because you got on your knees or in your mind you got on your knees. Or wherever you were, you realized whether it was a moment or whether it was a realization that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that you actually need a Savior. And you asked him to be your Savior. And he is. And he is God. And that is the only reason you're going to heaven. But here on earth, God has a plan for each of us. He really does. Not only does he have a plan, he has plans. S, another S. Multiple plans. And they're fabulous. 
and they're different. They're different than the way that we would live our life if we didn't have the word to sanctify us. If we weren't changing through Jesus Christ, then the plan will not be as prosperous as it would be. If we're not seeking God, then that plan is not going to come out the way that God wants it to be. Each of us are on this earth at this time, in this generation, in this country, in this city, in this room for a reason. And we can miss it. And that's what we want to be very, very aware of. I don't want to use the word fear, but I want to use the word aware. Be aware that you can miss your calling. Be aware. But it's not that you're not going to go to heaven. So being aware and being afraid are two different things. The Holy Spirit comes and he makes us aware. Aware that we can miss what God is asking us to do because we can have the world's voices so loud in our ears that we don't hear the Holy Spirit. Or we can just simply not get alone with God. And so we've got our own voice so loud. And the world today has so many distractions. I was telling someone the other day, there are five, if not six ways to get a hold of me now through social media. Two Facebooks, two, two numbers, a, a home phone number, a cell phone number, an office phone number. You can text me. Good grief, there's a lot of voices in my ear. I've gotten to the point where I will purposely hide my phone from myself. Mute. Mute. Because we need to mute the world. Excellent word. Excellent word. Mute the world to hear God because the world does not have the message for you. The world does not have the answer for you. The world is just about as important as Laffy Taffy. I'm totally serious and it's melted in my car, but it sounds great, doesn't it? Laffy Taffy, you're going to have so much joy. It's going to be so great. You're going to have this wonderful house, this wonderful life, this wonderful Thing that the world can offer you and maybe stardom and you can know the right people and it's just laffy taffy, but it melts. It goes. It doesn't stay. The only thing that stays is God and God only and his eternity. And this life we live in joy and anticipation, not fear, anticipation of hearing the Holy Spirit because God is not tricky. He is not here to trick you and to make you feel that you're maybe not going to squeak into heaven. He is here and the Holy Spirit is here and God is present in this room to provide for us the desire, the anticipation, the encouragement from the Holy Spirit to live a life different because it brings us to where God is taking us. Now, you may be sitting here going, well, I think I've already missed it. I mean, what's the point? I mean, I think I've already blown it. I mean, what's the point? Okay, you have not. Because with God, all things are possible. 
and with a lot of people, they didn't even start their ministries till they were 100 years old. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is no too late with God. If you think there's a too late with God, then you're saying that with God, things aren't all possible. Also, Romans 8.28 tells us, and, and, and we hear this a lot, but hear it again with your life. Hear it with your purposeful sin. Hear it with your ignorance of the Bible. Hear it with your participation in worldly things. Hear this, because God says, Romans 8.28, that he will, if you give it to him, he will work all things for good to those that love him according to his purpose. And that's what I want to say, according to his purpose. So you turn and you love him according to his purpose. And then he works all things. That's when he uses people and and you hear these testimonies of people who have walked in horribly dark places and chosen horribly dark things. And yet it's a testimony that brings you excitement and brings you desire, not only to not walk in those things, but to know, wow, God is so big. Look what he brought them out of. Yes, there is a chance for me. So what we want to do today is read Peter. I want to read Peter because Peter is my favorite disciple. And maybe I shouldn't have favorites, but it just seems like Peter would just open his mouth at the wrong time. Or Peter would try to just go for God and live for God all the way. And then he'd get back into the Jewish law. And God would have to pull him back out and say, no, 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 Peter, it's not according to the law. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make all things edible um, and, and then shows him a vision. And we'll, we'll look at that another time. But Peter was used in such amazing ways. He, he stopped, he, he, even after Jesus died, he stopped associating with the Gentiles and went back into the whole kind of Jewish, we are the right people and um, others are not quite as included. And he had to be reprimanded. Peter was constantly reprimanded. It's okay. We want to be reprimanded. Do you understand? Because when the Holy Spirit reprimands you, there's not confusion. When the Holy Spirit reprimands you, there's conviction. When the Holy Spirit stops you in your tracks and says, wait a minute, there is a solution. When Satan accuses you, there is confusion. When Satan accuses you, there is no solution. When Satan accuses you, the word even can turn around. And, and he always has distorted truth. He can't do anything else because he's not a creator. He can only distort what God has created. So he will take the word of God and accuse you with it. And that's why we need to look at the whole word. I want to just tell everybody in every country and anywhere that's listening to this. Look at the whole word. We are saved by the grace of Jesus. Our thankfulness should be that therefore, because we're given that eternal life, we want to give our lives. How do we give our lives? Is it in our own choice of how we're going to do it? It's not. 
It's in a design plan of the way that God has created you and he has placed you where he wants you to be and he will move you and shift you. But you get to just follow him like a child. And he calls us sheep for a reason because sheep are led. And sheep are not smart on their own. He calls us sheep. I love the thought, and it, it, it is a visual in my mind because my dad is a cowboy, but when cattle are driven, there is just some confusion and dust, and you have to have horses and sometimes dogs on, on one side and the other side because you'll have the cattle going all over the place and they're being driven. Okay, we are not cattle. It does not say in the Bible, you are cattle. And Jesus is your cowboy. So if you're feeling driven, 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 is that Jesus or are you feeling led? We need to feel led, not driven. Led in a joyful way. And yet a desire for holiness is the result of salvation not proof of salvation. A desire to not have habitual sin is the result of salvation, not proof of salvation. Hear this. So we're going to hear some words from Peter. And um, God really didn't let me write anything out this morning because... I guess sometimes he wants us just to read his own word (laughs) and not pull scriptures out. So we're going to read this and read this the way that Peter wrote it because he wrote it to you. He wrote it to believers. If you're not a believer and you're listening to this by podcast, by radio, What I mean by a believer is someone who recognizes I cannot do the right thing no matter what I try. I am not perfect. I make mistakes. I've got to have a Savior. I want to live for eternity. I want to have joy and and breath and, and the real God in my life. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross and I ask him to be my Lord. I ask him to be my Savior And then say it out loud to someone. Confess with your mouth. Believe with your heart that you are saved. You need that. We need that. And then get in the Word or get in a Bible study or get with someone who knows the Word and say, Teach me more. Holy Spirit, I I desire more. So if you open to 2 Peter 1, we're going to start reading and. And Peter is, is writing to Christians. So I want you to, to keep that in mind. He's not just writing to the general public. And we got to know who these letters are being rent to, written to because it, it, it puts in context the things that they're saying so that we don't misinterpret them. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ... To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. By what? By the righteousness 
of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What's the first thing that says? I'm writing to Christians. And I'm writing to Christians who are Christians, who are believers, who are saved by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are saved because Jesus was sinless. A sinless lamb that went to the cross on our behalf. And then he says this to us. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In what? In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Do you know that that is how grace and peace is multiplied to us? Is more and more in the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. Not more and more in the knowledge of spiritual gifts. Not more and more in the knowledge of all the latest books that are out there. Not more and more in the knowledge of who you are in Christ and what you should be doing in Christ. But in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. In, in other words, the more we know him, the more smaller we know we are. And the more bigger we know he is. And then it's like, you know, you know in your heart all things are possible. There's nothing impossible with God. You know Luke one thirty-seven. You know what's true. You don't doubt that because once we get away from the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, he becomes smaller to us in our lives, even if we're saved and we become bigger and things become up to us. And things become up to us in our discernment. And things become up to the world and professionals. And things become up to whoever is has doctor in front of their name and has the right credentials. And that person knows more. No one knows truth like Jesus because he is truth. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He is our life. And so as Christians, as believers, we need to back up and go, have I somehow gotten bigger and Jesus has gotten smaller? Or have I let the world get bigger and Jesus has gotten smaller? What do you have your focus on? What do you have your focus on? Again, What you have your focus on does not determine whether or not you're saved. It determines whether or not you're going in the right direction. If you don't have your focus on God and his love and his word and his truth and what he says to you, then you have your focus in the wrong place. And if you put anything before God, he's a jealous God. He is a jealous God and he loves you and you're his child and he will yank you up. I remember saying, gee whiz, I do not know why I'm on such a short chain. My friends can get away with so many things and I got on this short chain and it's not fair. I can't get away with hardly anything. I have to go apologize to Lacey if he, if I even have given him a, you know, one of those wife looks like, mm-hmm. one of those just wife looks like, I can't believe you just said that to one of our children. Or one of those wife looks like, well, of course this is happening because you haven't done this yet. 
of course you want to hurry and pay the American Express and you're putting it all upon me because you shouldn't, you have not done it. And I give him a wife look. I have to apologize for that. I'm on a short leash. Praise God if you get on a short leash. Praise God if it gets shorter and shorter and shorter because then you know you're his son or daughter. God says he disciplines his own. He disciplines his own. Say you've lost your peace and you don't know why. Ask him. He's your father. And he's not going to let you have peace in doing the things that you used to do. Because he wants you to grow in him. Because he wants you to follow his will. Because he wants you to fulfill that which he has for you to do on this earth. Which goes into eternity. Your life affects millions of other people. Your decision as a Christian, as the body of Christ. Jesus describes us as the body of Christ. Paul describes us as the body of Christ. We are the body of the Christ, the the parts of Christ. So as the body, your decision affects me. Your decision to obey God or not obey God affects me. Your decision to obey God or not obey God affects someone over in Berlin. Your decision to obey God or not obey God affects the entire body of Christ. Can you not understand? I mean, what if Paul had decided, okay, I've seen the light. I've heard the voice. But I don't want to get persecuted, so I'm going back to my old way of life, you know? I'm going back to the Sanhedrin. I'm going back to all of the Jewish ways, and and I'm getting back in line with the rest of the world. Wouldn't that have affected us? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul, what does God have for you? And it's not too late. See, there's no sense of time and place with God. When I did, and I don't talk about this much, but when I did have insufficient oxygen for seven minutes, I did go out of my body into a place where Jesus was. And I don't want to get too descriptive in that because sometimes then that becomes the new sensation. And that's not my desire. But one of the things I understood there is that I wanted to stay, not because it was perfect, and not only because it was just there was no pain, and not only because I was in the presence of Jesus, and not only because I was alive for the first time. I was alive for the first time. In other words, earth felt like death. Even sitting here today, talking to you on a beautiful day, feels like death compared to how amazingly alive you feel in heaven. But I also understood something that I don't know why God let me understand it, and I don't know that I have the full grasp of it, but I understood that with God there's no place in time because I wanted to stay there even though I have a wonderful family because I knew that they would be there in five minutes. One day to God is a thousand years. Don't look at your life and say, I am X 
amount of years, and it's too late. There's no such thing. God is the God of the past, the present, and the future. Do you not think he can go back and change things? Do you not think he is not in all places at all times? Do you not think that we sitting here are unable to understand. We can't even understand eternity. We can't even wrap our brains around infinity. How can we possibly understand a loving and creative God who loves his children and can put us back on track anytime we ask to be and desire to be? It's not too late. It's not too late. I want us to just keep reading here because God is talking to us here. In 2 Peter 1, 2, again, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And we talked about that. That's where grace and peace is multiplied. In the knowledge of God and Jesus, not the knowledge of other things, not the knowledge of reading all the latest books, not the knowledge of... Um, knowing all the latest thing, not the knowledge of knowing more about yourself. It's not that. It's the knowledge of God and Jesus through his word. Second Peter 1, 3 says, Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through, again, the true knowledge of him who called us by his glory and excellence. Wait a minute. We were called? Wait a minute. Did I choose God or did God choose me? Both. And yet God chose you. I mean both. But yet God chose you. Again, I don't think as earthly humans we are going to understand. God chose you to choose him. (laughs) He chose you to choose him. You are a dirty, rotten stinker, and you know it, and he knows it, and he loves you. You're his son. You're his daughter. Your righteousness is through Christ Jesus, just the way this that Peter keeps saying, by the righteousness of our God and Savior. Peter did not say in 2 Peter 1.1, I, Peter, who have lied and spoken out of turn, and gotten myself into lots of trouble and been disciplined by God a lot and live under remorse, guilt, in a heavy heart, am now writing to you. See, if some of us wrote a letter and, and it was to other Christians and we were honest, our letter would be like that. Our letter would be like, well, okay, I'm not really where I should be and wish I was. And I know that I am not doing what I should be doing. Peter's like, hey, Lamentations 3.21. God's mercies are new every morning. I've got a purpose in writing this letter. I want to move on with God. I'm willing to die for him. If you're willing to die for God in your physical body. In other words, I do believe. I believe with all my heart that if somebody came in this room right now and said, Stand up if you're a believer and and we are going to kill you. 
man, I'd stand up. I'd stand up in a second, in a heartbeat. But if you're willing to die in your physical life, you also have to be willing to die on this earth to yourself. And that is what is hard. Don't even think it's not hard. And don't even think it's not a narrow road. That's what God calls the narrow road. That's what the narrow road is. Is those that are daily dying to themselves to follow what? Christ on what? The road that he has for each of us. That is the narrow road. The narrow road. Not only the belief in Jesus Christ, but the following of Jesus Christ. And I love that 2 Peter 1.3 says, look, his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. In other words, his dunamis power, that is the word for power there in the Greek. That is the all-working power of God. That is his grace. That is something he's given us. In other words, he's saying, I have given you, God has given you his own power to live this life. You have been given the power of God within you to live this life. Yes, it's not easy, but no, it's not impossible. So here we go. And seeing his divine power that's granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us, who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us, and I'm in 2 Peter 1, 4, his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. It is God's will, desire, excitement, enthusiasm. I can't express it enough. I don't have the human words. That we, as his children, not only stay babes and stay his children, but evolve into his sons and daughters as we partake in these divine promises. And all the promises of God have, they they aren't open to whatever you do. There is a, if you do this, God will do this. And we're going to study that. If you trust God with all of your heart and not lean on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. It doesn't say now if you go your own way. And you watch TV most of the day. And then you go get with friends who talk about how bad the world is. And then you go hang out with, you know, somebody that just really brings you down. Then God's going to make your path straight. It says, no, you learn to trust him. How do you learn to trust him? By spending time with him, by spending time in his word, by getting to know how trustworthy he is. All the promises of God are, if you do, he will. And that's what he's saying here. And in 2 Peter, he's saying, God so wants us to be partakers of the promises of God and to escape the lust of the world. He doesn't want us to be Christians that remain idle in 
not fulfilling our true calling on this earth. He doesn't want us to go to heaven and, and, and have to be able to say, you know, I had this call, I had this dream for your life, and you never would listen to me. I love you so much, but you didn't do what I asked you to do. We have to have our ear to heaven. How do we do that? Through his word, through loving him. Is it because one of us is more perfect than another? Is it because somebody hears Jesus more clearly? I get that all the time. How would you pray, pray for such and such situation? Well, yes, I will. And will you too pray? Let's pray together. Oh, no, you know, I know God hears you and you hear God. What? If I told you how many things were wrong with me and how many things I struggle with, you would maybe not be my friend anymore. I'm serious. We all can be stinkers. But I'm forgiven and I'm chosen and I chose him and I'm redeemed and I've gone down the wrong road and I've seen God take that and make it into something beautiful. I've seen him take all my wrong roads and put them all onto the right road. He wants us to be partakers of his promises, but it's our choice it is our choice. Second Peter 1 5. Now for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Let's look at that. He's talking to believers. He is not saying that if you have all diligence and you have all moral excellence and you have all knowledge and you have self-control and you're perfect in your perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love, then you are saved. That is not what it's saying. It's saying, this is what I want you to be partakers of. And you become partakers of this the more you know Jesus. Because the more we have of Jesus in us, the less we have of us. And the less we have of us, the less trouble we have. Sometimes we just try to get rid of the trouble. It doesn't work. You can't counsel it out. You can't reason it out. You can't journal it out. Jesus just needs to get bigger. And we just need to say, Jesus, you're big and I am small. And you already know what I have trouble with. And I thank God that I'm saved by the cross. And I get it. I get that grace. And now I'm so appreciative of that grace. And I'm not combining it with works. I'm so appreciative of that grace that I want to be a partaker in your precious and magnificent promises listed in 2 Peter 1.4. I want to have all diligence. And moral excellence and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness. If you are desiring self-control, go to the word of God. Go to Jesus. Fall on your knees. He already knows what you need. You can't work it out. 
He needs to become bigger. We need to become smaller. But we need to know that right here, right now, today, he loves you as much as he loves any of his children. Don't you? Do you love one of your children more? Because if you do, that's not, that's not the love of God. And he loves you as much as if you had gone down the wrong, right path. Do you understand what I'm saying? His love does not increase with our good works. His love is, it's infinite. It doesn't increase with you're doing the right thing. What increases is your love and your acceptance of who you are in Christ as you do the right thing because the Holy Spirit in you says yes. Yes. You ask for forgiveness, the Holy Spirit within you says yes. You put down that third drink and the Holy Spirit says yes. Perhaps you're called not to drink at all and the Holy Spirit says yes. And you feel that love and presence of God, but his love for you and his acceptance of you is no greater than if you had sinned or not because you are a believer through the grace of Jesus Christ and nothing else. It is only the cross. It is only the cross. So if you're struggling right now, I don't know what category you fall into. We're not through, but maybe we're through for just this teaching. But I don't know what category you fall into, but God would not let me look at anything else but this. This was not my plan. This was not my study. This is the heart of God crying out to his people to say, I love you through my son, Jesus Christ. I actually love, God loves all, all the people that he created. But it's in choosing eternity that we choose God. And in this life, we choose God by choosing his son. And then for eternity, he honors our choice. Love does not increase and decrease with works like it does with people. Do you understand what I'm saying? You desire works not to get more of God's love. You want to desire the good promises of God and be partakers of more of his promises by doing the right thing because you want to live the life that he wants you to live so that you fulfill that which he wants you to fulfill on this life, on this planet. And for all of us, it's totally different. Our mission fields are totally different. But we should be going out wherever we go today and be able to say, you know, God loves you. Be able to exhibit the love of Christ. And the more we know of Jesus, the more we can exhibit, the more we can manifest, the more we can show the love of Jesus. That's what should be our heartbeat. Please, God, less of me. Less of me and more of me. Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. 
thousands of people in 40 countries. Download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive. 